open up your Bibles to John 3. And so we've been talking about the last few weeks about a new reality. And so we're going to pick up there, and I'm going to talk about uh, revelation knowledge. And when we talk about a new reality, we're talking about really a true reality. What is real to many people is not actually the way God wants it in their life. People need to realize that. People need to recognize that, that some things are just not the way God wants, but that's their reality. That's what they know. So we've been teaching these things to help people to come over to the reality God wants for them instead of what they know as real in their life. And maybe it's just the way their life um, is just headed a certain way that it shouldn't be headed. It's not God's design. It's not God's way. And so that's why we've been talking about this new reality. If you don't want, if you don't like the way you're going and where you're headed, these truths will help change your life and a new reality can come. And so today I'm going to probably talk about five things on how to get literally more light, more revelation, more direction, really kind of clumping them together as one thing. When we talk about revelation, the Bible literally means this. You know, Paul prayed that people would get revelation. You know, sometimes when you get people who come from the world uh, to the church, they don't know what in the world does that mean, revelation. You know, well, what does that mean? Or we use religious terms that don't, don't make sense sometimes. We should not change and dumb things down to meet the world, but we should help bring those people up to the place where they need to be and understand what the Bible says. And so when the Bible talks about revelation, Paul prayed for people they'd have revelation. This is literally what revelation means. It means to lay bare. Well, what do, what do we think of when we think laying bare? Wow, she's wearing a skimpy shirt and her shoulders are bare. In other words, they're uncovered. And really, when we talk about revelation, it comes from the word really to reveal something. And it literally means to lay bare or have nothing on. Making naked. Now, when we're talking about this, we're not talking about a human being. We're talking about things that God has said. We're talking about truths in the Bible. So could then, if they prayed for revelation, could some things then be covered that are in the Bible and you not see them? Could the world be living in such a way that they're not seeing what's in the Bible? And maybe they look at the Bible and think, Ah, oh, book, I don't understand a word that's in there. And so, when we talk about revelation, it means not covered or closed. Clothed. A disclosure of truth. Instruction. And when we talk about a disclosure, you know, if you, you know, ever sign a contract or do different things, they tell you, you need to dis disclose this. You know, you're going into the military, they want you to disclose what you've done. If you're signing up at certain places, they say, have you ever done this and done this? They want you to disclose. What they're basically saying is, you may have some information that other people don't have. We want to know it. Revelation is a disclosure. It's information that God has that He wants to get to you. 
And not just in your head, but on the inside, so it becomes a living reality. And so when we're talking about revelation, we're talking about God giving you a disclosure. Here's the interesting thing. What we're looking for and looking to see is not something weird. It's something plain that's already in the Bible. We want a disclosure. We want to see what's there. And you say, well, I can just read the Bible. Well, we're going to get into that. And for a believer, there is truth in there, in there. But there are things we can do to get these truths disclosed to us. And here's the thing. You don't get an exclusive right on it. It's interesting. Paul talked about his own life, how he had gotten revelation revealed to him beyond other people by a long stretch. And because of that, the enemy influenced people to come against him to stop going and preaching and sharing. He got attacked because of the truths that were being revealed to him. Why? Because when people know truth, truth makes them free. Now, I'm talking gospel truth like Jesus said. If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And so here we see that revelation means a disclosure, and it literally means concerning things before unknown. Unknown, they were previously unknown, used of events by which things or states or persons hitherto withdrawn from views and then are made visible. In other words, there are certain things that have existed certain things that are true in the Bible, and, and basically what he's saying, they seem to be withdrawn, but then all of a sudden they become real. In other words, what he's saying is they're there all the time, but you don't always just see them. It literally means to come into view or to become visible. Where do these truths need to become visible to the believer in their spirit? And so there's probably, I have five things, there's, maybe we'll touch on six, that will help anybody get these truths that are in the Bible to come alive to them, to where it's not just reading any other book, it's all of a sudden a book where God is dealing with you, and you're seeing stuff that other people could read over and not see it. And you get so thrilled, you're like, whoa! Oh, do you, you see that? And they're like, yeah, that's exciting. No, they're not seeing it the same way. But can we all come to that place? Is there things we can do to know the realities are there and get them uncovered or cause them to be naked? Haven't you ever read a verse or heard a verse? And then you read it and heard it a number of times. And one day you heard it and you went, whoa, what happened? It became naked. It became uncovered, and you saw it for what it is, or at least saw a part of it for what it was. And so John 3, first chapter, this is the first thing that really, if you want revelation from the Bible, anybody in the world, this has to be the first thing anybody does. It doesn't matter who they are. Notice this, John 3, 1, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees. Now, 
we need to stop and explain what a Pharisee is because this will be helpful. A Pharisee back then, there were a couple or a few different groups of religious people, and the predominant ones were the Pharisees and the scribes. And the Pharisees were really religious, and they knew Scripture, you know, and they knew it well. And uh, this guy, who is a Pharisee, a religious leader, so you've got to get that in your head, he knows the Old Testament Scripture. And it's interesting what he said. He was a ruler of the Jews. He's this predominant guy. And it says, this man came to Jesus by night. Now you understand that other people came to Jesus by night. And other people came to Jesus privately. Because if they did it openly and wanting direction from him, uh, they'd get ostracized. They might get kicked out of the club, so to speak. And so this guy comes at night, but he's a guy who's supposed to have the answers. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's the one who's proclaiming things to the people about God, supposedly, his ways and what he wants done. And he comes sneaking to Jesus at night, and he starts uh, not explaining things, but asking questions. And he said, he said he came to him, and he said to him, Rabbi, what is a rabbi? A rabbi means teacher. This guy's a ruler of the Jews. He's a religious leader. He's supposed to be portraying things. And he turns around and said, Jesus, he basically said rabbi, or he called him teacher. What does a teacher do? They teach. They reveal things. They give information. And he said to him, he said, rabbi or teacher, we know. So the news was around. We know that you are a teacher come from God. We know you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he basically, what's he talking to him about? You're a teacher. And what are we talking about? Being taught things. Getting revelation. Having the truths that are sitting there become alive to you and revealed. He said, we know you're a teacher and you're sent from God. Now, sometimes people read this and think Jesus was being elusive. Jesus was not being elusive. He was actually responding to the statements that Nicodemus made. What statements did he make? We know you came from God, but you are a teacher. What did Jesus say in verse 3? Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, meaning you get saved, you, you know, made new of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now if you go down to verse 5, it says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or I'm sorry, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Notice there, he said, when you're born, you can't enter. And this other one, when he first talks about being born again, notice the word see is there. And he is not talking about going there and physically seeing. 
I mean, technically, everyone who dies will ultimately go and see heaven on the great judgment day. We'll all stand there. And now, not everybody's going in, but everybody's going to see stuff. But when he's talking about seeing here, he's literally talking about grasping, having the truths come alive. He said in verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see. It literally means to perceive and grasp the things of the kingdom. The first thing somebody needs to do is get born again. Then the Bible becomes a different book. You with me? If you know about the Holy Spirit and His work in the church and in the kingdom of God, you know that He was sent to teach the believers, but He's sent to convict the world. So we don't just teach them because they're not capable of receiving and they don't need to. They need to get born again. When they get born again, they'll be able to perceive, grasp, lay hold of the things of the kingdom. Remember this, Jesus, when he talked in Mark 4, if you will, Matthew, Mark, Luke, but Mark 4, he made a statement similar here about receiving truth. And what we're talking about here is how can we get revelation? How can the Bible come alive? I know for me, when I was not serving God, uh, I had read the Bible, heard the Bible, but when I dedicated my life to the Lord and gave my life to the Lord, that book called the Bible came alive. It was like thrilling. I was like, whoa. Huh. And I was thinking, why isn't everybody else just so excited about this? I'm telling you, this is... I mean, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, growing up in that day and age, you know, they went to all kinds of churches and stuff like that. They all had Bibles on coffee tables. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, you had, everybody got a giant one, you know, and, and you, you just, they had a giant one. Everybody seemed like had a giant one. didn't matter how unreligious you were. You had a Bible there somewhere. And, and I'm thinking, man, this is incredible. Why isn't everybody else just so excited and seeing the things I'm seeing and going, man, uh, oh, everybody needs to know this stuff. Everybody needs to see this. Don't they see this? No. No. They got to get saved. Notice this. God will convict them of their need of a Savior. But Mark 4, verse 11 and he said to them, because they wanted to know what was said. He had been sharing. He said, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now, he's about to quote an Old Testament scripture. He said, so that seeing they may see and not perceive. In other words, they'll see it naturally, but they won't perceive it inside. That's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. If you'll get saved, you're calling me teacher. If you get born again, you'll be able to perceive what I am teaching. When you, if you get born again, then when the time comes, you'll be able to perceive the truths that are coming forth. He was basically answering his question. You're a teacher. He said, then the way you're going to get stuff from me is you must be born again. Then you'll be able to perceive. 
Now, I understand he couldn't get born again at that day, but in a short period of time, he could once Jesus died and rose again. And so, but he was saying that, but here, isn't it interesting? He said, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins should be forgiven them. Notice what happens when somebody starts seeing truth. It brings a change in their life. I'm not, talking, I'm not just talking about a Bible verse. I'm talking about getting revelation where you read the Bible and it comes alive to you and it's laid naked before you and you read it and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. My. And see, that's what happened there. He said that if they did get the revelation, they did understand it inside, they did perceive it, it would change their actions and the outcome of their life. Does God want that for everybody? Here's something that I believe is another truth that once you're saved. And now these are things that are after you're saved. The first thing, if you want revelation from God, you got to give your life to Him. you got to surrender your life. Now remember this, Jesus doesn't want you just born again. He wants you to be a disciple. He wants you to be fully committed. You understand Jesus, this is the only time Jesus mentioned being born again actually in the Bible, in the New Testament, meaning himself. Now Peter did and, and the salvation and all that's mentioned in other places, but this is only a part of the whole pie of what the Lord wants. He doesn't want you to be saved and then just do your own thing. He wants you fully committed. He wants you to be self-disciplined. He, in the Bible said, part of the Great Commission is that what we're to preach is, we're to preach this, that you would observe everything the Lord says. Sometimes people think, well, I'm saved, but that's not really what God wants from you. God wants, that's only part of it. He wants you to obey all things that he has commanded. He didn't say go into all the world and just get people saved. He, that's only a part of it. And as a matter of fact, you're really not doing justice to what the Lord said if, we're not, if all we're doing is working to get people saved. We want to teach people to do what he said. Some people like the gospel of God just loves you and you can do what you want to do. But that is not the message Jesus was sending for his disciples to convey to the world. He said, not only get saved because that's only a part of being a disciple, but observe all things that I've taught you and do what I'm telling you to do. And with that being said, that is a hindrance to people not getting more revelation or getting revelation. So the first thing that opens the door, so to speak, is receiving the Lord. The second thing is this, is how do we get it? What is this revelation? There's like I said, about four or five things I want to talk about. And um, let's go to Acts 9. I was going to do this point later, but I'm going to do it now. Turn to Acts 9. What we need to do if we want more revelation is we have to follow after or follow through on what you know from the Lord. If you want the Bible to have light when you read it, then in your life you have to follow through on the things that the Lord is directing you to do. 
revelation or having good fellowship with God and seeing more truths and having further direction comes if we follow through on what the Lord says. In other words, some things are held back from believers because they don't follow through on what they know they're supposed to do. So then they go try to read the Bible and it's just not a good book. Though they're qualified to see wonderful truths, it becomes a dull thing. And the, but sometimes people just drudge on through life like that because they know I'm supposed to read. But what we want is God to communicate with us out of the book. So Acts 9, and it's interesting here, we'll look at a couple of verses. This is something we do after we're saved. We follow through on what the Lord says. Here's the thing. I've seen people who didn't do and didn't do what they, and didn't follow through and didn't follow through and didn't follow through, and they lived a miserable life for a long time. And then finally, something clicked. They chose to do, and then they started progressing, and all of a sudden, you could see dramatic change in their life because they started following through on what the direction they knew and what the Lord had said, and all of a sudden, they started getting more. That more was for them way back then. God wasn't withholding it, but there are places we need to be to get what we're supposed to get. You with me? And so notice this here in Acts 9. And we'll read a couple of verses here. Paul has just gotten converted. This mighty man of God who uh, has an experience with the Lord, he's really getting converted, I guess you could say, or getting, got born again right here. Verse 6 says this, So he trembling and astonished. Now Paul, the Lord has appeared to him. He basically, Paul is surrendering his life to the Lord. And the Lord makes some fantastic statements here that are true to everybody who's saved. I guarantee you this, anybody who's saved, the Lord is trying to, or endeavoring to lead them. But you can go so long without doing it, just you can get so dull. You just have to go back and do that, whatever it is. Notice this. So he trembling, I'm sorry, verse uh, 5. And when he said, and he said, in other words, the Lord said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said in verse 5 of Acts 9, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Well, what's he saying? Paul's having this counter encounter. He said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's one of those steel spike things that they, it has a little hook on it that they poke cows to, to make a move or animals, and then they kind of grab them with the hook and get them to stop and to move big animals. He said, it's hard for you to kick against one of those. Well, most people were barefooted or had sandals. They didn't have, you know, red-winged shoes where he could have had some steel-toe boots. And he says, it's hard to do that. And, and so then, guess what? And it's interesting what he said here. He said to him, he said, who are you? Verse 6 then, he said, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what 
do you want me to do? So he finds out who he is. He said, what do you want me to do? The biggest thing that Christians need to know is there are things God wants you to do. And just asking him what he wants you to do is not good enough, but it is something good. Notice what he said here. He said, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? How many people know what the Lord wants them to do? I'm talking Christians. Remember this, whatever God wants you to do in that location, there's some kind of fulfillment. There's more for you. There's fruitfulness. There's further revelation. There's further direction there. You know, remember doing Easter egg hunts when you were little? I don't know if anybody did those. I'm, I did. And, and then you're out there running around, and you're little, and your parents go, Warmer! Warmer, warmer, colder, colder, colder. Everybody paints a picture, right? And I could remember getting really frustrated with them because I, you know, have you ever been there and you couldn't find it and you're hot, burning hot, and you're like, it's not here. <laughs> you know, like over here, colder, colder. <sighs> okay, I'll go back over there. But I never, I got close. And I, you're getting hotter, you're getting hotter. When you get to the right place, you get the egg, whether there's a coin, whether it's a chocolate egg, whatever it is, you get it. But you don't get it by just getting close. You get it by getting there. And then whatever is there, you get it. And look at this right here. So he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Go to the city Go to the city, and then I will tell you. Go to the city, and then I will tell you. <clears throat> what is your city? For you, it could be anything that the Lord's directing you. Understand this. Some people want to know what they're supposed to do, and tell me what I'm supposed to do, Lord. And he'll say, go to the city. In other words, do this. Follow through. And now, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm not hearing from you. Because you will not until you follow through. Because, we, you know, we do it His way, not our way. How many people have tried to serve God their way, not His way? So He said, go there and it will be told you what you must do. Could you imagine what a promise to you're going to, just let you know, you're going to hear my voice. I'm going to talk to you. Something good is going to come in to you from me. If you go there, getting warmer, getting warmer, getting colder, getting colder, getting colder, getting warmer, getting more. But if you don't ever get there, think about it. Whenever he went, he would get to hear. He would get to get something from God he was not getting that was going to be part of his divine destiny and what was going to happen in his life. But he didn't just say, well, Paul, you didn't go, so I'm just going to tell you. No, he had to follow through. Why? Because we're commanded to be disciples, not do it ourselves. And do it our own way, people. 
I remember before I moved here, the Lord had dealt with me. I, 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 was, I was in another state. I was on vacation, and I knew I had to get back to this service because I knew inside, because see, these, these things still happen today because they happen by appointment, and they happen within divine order. And so I was on vacation. I was still the assistant pastor at this other church, and, and I had already been you know, disconnecting in the sense I wasn't just disconnecting. We were already working through the process, the pastor and I, and the staff, you know, some of them knew at this time, and, and so it was getting closer. But the Lord dealt with me, be back for this service where this guest speaker was going to be there. And so I was thinking, all right, I need to do that. I know I need to do that. So I'm in another state and talking to my pastor, and he said, hey, we're having a guest speaker this week. You don't need to come back. If you need to do more work while you're there, just go ahead and do it. Just because somebody else tells you what's good doesn't mean it's right. And I'm talking, I'm in Montana on a lake. Just, Just go ahead and stay longer. And I could. And I'm like, no, I've got to be back. I got to get back. I didn't exactly tell him that. I said, no, I'll be back. But I knew inside I had to be there. And I knew God was going to speak to me. So I make it back. You know, it's a few, almost, you know, 15, 1,600 miles, maybe more. I get back. I'm there for the service. I'm driving to the service. And as I'm driving up the road, Now, God has been just dealing with me about my future and dealing with me about different things. I'm driving up the road to go to the service. The Lord has told me, you know, he's going to speak to me. Be there. So I'm thinking, you know, this guest speaker that's there is going to call me out and say, Thus says the Lord, hey, whoa, yo, you, you know, whatever. I'm going to hear something, you know, something's going to happen there. I'm driving up the road, and it was like somebody uh, just, you know, Well, just like the Bible said, I was going to say, like a fire hydrant got knocked over, but Jesus said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. And I was driving up the street, going to the service before it even started, and up out of the inside of me, just something rose up. And I spoke in tongues. It's in the Bible. And I spoke this way, and I thought, what? Whoa. And it was like, it was literally like somebody knocked a, I mean, sense it come right up out of the inside. And then as soon as I got done, I heard these words. A confession for the nations. And I heard it again. A confession for the nations. And then it was like something came up out of the inside. And I knew it was something way deep down inside. And I was responding to what he had said about this, because I knew that wasn't just me making that up, a confession for the nations. And I heard it actually three times. And then this came up, and I knew it was me inside. I knew it was me answering. I knew it was something in me answering. And I heard these words, and I just said three times, I will go, I will, and it just came up. And so I said it, I will go. It was like I was responding to what the Lord said. I will go. I will go, I will go. And, I've, and, and I, I've known that my call is two-sided. I will pastor and I will go. And it was just so strong and I thought, wow, 
And then it happened all over again, just like it, and I'm not even at the church. So then I get to the service, and the first service is going on, and this minister, uh, we had somebody going out to do some other work, you know, and so they called somebody up to pray for him and stuff, and I'm thinking, all right, Lord, this will be a good time. Just go ahead right, right about now. And, and I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, God's, God, you, you, it's a good time right now. Nothing happens. Then at the end of the service, the guest speaker just says, I want everybody to just say this with me. And um, I want you to make, this, uh, make a confession of what you'll do for the Lord. And all of a sudden, uh, everybody just started saying, I'll do this. And it was like somebody knocked a fire hydrant over again. And I just heard myself say again, I will go, I will go, I will go. What if I had not gotten back or done what I knew to do? God had an appointment there for me. So that, that is something we need to do. We need to follow through. Paul, um, it's interesting in, in Acts 16, uh, 6 through 10, Paul had been restrained by the Spirit not to go to this one area, not to go to this other area. And he had been in Galatia, went through Phrygia, and then he moves into Asia. And if you look on a map, he's moving through this area. And what's so wild is the Spirit didn't permit him to preach there. But he can't go back. And as he moves forward, he tries to go up to another region, Bethsaida, I believe it is. And, and he, couldn't, he couldn't go there. The Spirit said no. So basically, all he's got left is the land ahead. And he gets to the end of the land. And it's water. But God kept directing him, don't do this. So he kept following, kept following. Don't go here. Don't preach here. And he kept moving. And what's so wild is then he finally got to the place where there was no room left. And he just followed the leading, followed the leading, followed the leading. And when he got to that place, he was right at the shore's edge at Troas. And it said this, night, this one night he was there. And all of a sudden, in a vision, a man of Macedonia appeared to him and said, come over here and preach to us. Well, God had kind of just said, no, 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 no. But he kept obeying and kept obeying and kept obeying. And when he got to the place where he needed more, he got it. Here's one thing we need to understand here is that revelation comes as we're obedient. It's not the only thing, but there are several other things, you know, we can look at. That will help us. In other words, we get saved, but you got to stay obedient. In other words, if I'm not even obeying what I'm supposed to do, why would he give me more? Why would he have me have more? You with me? And how many want more? I don't care. Well, when you get it, you'll want it. Because that's where all life is. That's where faith comes from. That's where life spins. There are several other things, and I don't know if how far I'm going to go into this, but here's something people need to know. Here's another thing. We have to be in church, a church teaching God's full counsel. Be faithfully committed. A good spiritual diet will help you even in your own time, your own study, and your own life. 
A proper spiritual diet is needful. We have to be planted. Ephesians 4 talks about how God set certain giftings in the body of Christ to equip the saints. And how do they get equipped? By being taught these truths. That is a way that you will get revelation and you will get understanding. Hebrews 10.25, most people know this verse. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some. But what happens is, is over the years, I don't know how people got this mixed up, and they thought it said, the more closer you get to the end, the more you should be in church. It actually doesn't say that. That would be a violation of Scripture to say, well, when we get closer to the Lord's coming, you should be in church more. In other words, for those who didn't live close to His coming, you don't have to be in church that much. Yeah, out there? So Hebrews 10, let's look at this. It's actually being in church regularly so you can be encouraged and you can be built up is what he's saying, that you need to be built up more and more as we see the day approaching. Turn to Hebrews 10. We need to be committed, plugged in, get our roots down. You know, be rooted in the truth. Get rooted in a place. Be committed in that place. Hebrews 10, notice this, 25. He said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some. Some people don't stay together. Some people forsake coming. He said, don't do that. He said, as the manner of some. But notice this, but exhorting one another. Notice, exhorting one another. What are we to do? We're to exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Exhortation should come. What does the Scripture do? One thing it does is it exhorts us. It gives us a course of action. Why do we need to be assembled together as believers? Because of exhortation. That we get counsel for direction from the Word of God. And so we're always to be committed, but what happens is when there is truth being taught, then exhortation comes. You need direction, especially when the world is pulling us so many different ways and trying to give us different direction. Here's another thing we need to do besides be together. Another thing we need to do is give time to hear the Bible ourselves outside of church. If we want more light and more revelation, if we're doing what we're supposed to do, this will help you. Give time to read the Bible yourself. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, he basically said, truth is spiritual food for your spirit. He said, man would not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you want revelation, you have to feed yourself. In other words, what if there are scriptures about divine strength, health, life, comfort? You read them, but they're not living. Well, we stay in line, we pray, we ask God, we do the things He said. Those things will come alive inside of us. Here's one last thing I'm going to talk about, and then we'll be dismissed. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about this. He talks about praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, being filled with the Spirit. The Bible is plain on this subject. 
some people over the years have said, why would we do that? Why should we pray like that? It just makes no sense. You're speaking in a language that nobody understands, um, you know, because some people said, well, wasn't what they did, wasn't it speaking in Spanish? No, or some other foreign language? No, because the verses in the Bible tell us nobody understands it. But verse 1 Corinthians 14.2 said, For he who speaks in a tongue or an unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries or literally divine secrets. Why is this such an important thing concerning getting revelation? Why should you do this on your own regularly? Speak to God this way. Why? Why should you? Why should you make a habit of this? Why is this important for every believer? Matter of fact, Jesus told his followers to go into the whole world and preach the gospel to everybody. But he said, I mean, he trained them for three and a half years. And then he told them, don't go yet until you're filled with the Spirit. Isn't it interesting that he put such gravity on this subject? And there isn't a lot of soberness on this subject sometimes. And so notice this in verse 14. And, and it's interesting what this will do for you concerning getting revelation, getting direction from God, being conscious of God and His things. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue or an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Notice the person who prays this way on their own actually builds themselves up, their self. What self is it? Your spiritual self. Your spiritual self gets built up when you pray this way. One thing that happens when you pray in the Spirit on a regular basis is your spirit is built up. Why do you need your spirit to be built up? Why? Why would you want your spirit to be built up? Why would you want it? Because there's one reason is you're a spirit, but you do have a mind. And you do have a body. But notice this, and this is the verse we'll close with. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2, or at least I believe we will. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. So praying in the spirit builds yourself up spiritually. It is something you need to practice on a regular basis. Speaking to God this way, praying in the Spirit. Why? Because you edify or literally build yourself up. What self? Your body? No. Your mind? No. Your spirit gets built up. Why does your spirit need to be built up? Why is it crucial that your spirit be strong? Why? Well, notice this, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, very familiar verse. Notice this. Well, let's go back. Verse um, 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, literally means perceive and grasp, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What an interesting thing. Have you wondered why the people 
acted the way they acted in the Bible and killed the Lord, when they saw miracles, blind eyes open, the dead raised, demons cast out, and they still went right. As a matter of fact, the group that was there to take him out of the garden where he had been praying and bring him away, one of his disciples rose up, Jesus' disciples, took a sword and cut the ear off of a guy. Jesus picks the ear up, puts it back on his head and heals him. And then they take Jesus away to crucify him. You ever wonder why did they do that? Why were their actions not different? I mean, I don't know about you, but like if I'm thinking this guy's a bad dude and all of a sudden, you know, uh, one of my friends cuts this guy, gets his ear cut off and all of a sudden this guy puts it back on his head and it's totally healed. All right, you're coming with me. We're going to kill you. Why did they follow through that way? Why did they not have a change of life? Remember the verses before? He said, if you perceive it and see it, then you'll repent and you'll change. But notice here, it said, which none of the rulers, and he's talking about these hidden truths of God, he said, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known or perceived it or grasped it, got a revelation, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Notice God has stuff prepared for those people who love Him. But notice He doesn't stop there, verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. How do we get the, this revelation, these truths that are in the Bible that God wants you to see so it's an incredible book to you? You get it, by the Spirit in your spirit. And look at verse 14. He said, But the natural man, or the sensual, the person who lives after his own compulsions, he said, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. The flesh-ruled man, the man who doesn't follow through, Certain spiritual truths will just not seem appropriate to him. He said, why will they not be? He said, they're foolishness. They don't make sense to your natural man. He said, he said nor can he know them. Wow, not only will he not know them, he can't know them. Why? He said, because they are spiritually discerned or understood or perceived. A man's spirit, if you read the context, gets things from God by the Holy Spirit. Why would praying in tongues be so important in your own life? Because when you pray in tongues, you build up your spirit. Where do you get revelation? In your spirit. Where do you get direction from God? In your spirit. Where do you get light from God? In your spirit. You get it through the Word, but by His Spirit in your spirit. That's why Proverbs 20, 27 says, The Spirit of a man, in the King James Version, is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. In other words, God enlightens us. So what we need is to be strong or built up in spirit so we can get these things. 
One major way is praying in the Spirit. In the context of 1 Corinthians, and I'll close with this, Paul talks about when you pray this way, you pray out mysteries or divine secrets. It's interesting that Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all, but in the church I don't do that, but in my own life I do. And it's interesting in the context and everything, he talks about how he has great knowledge in Revelation. Matter of fact, he talked about he had revelation more than others. In other words, he saw more and knew more and had more direction. But isn't it interesting, he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. But he didn't do it in the church, but he had a personal prayer time where he prayed that way. Wonder what if he knew something, or was he just wasting time? Or did it have an effect that we maybe haven't recognized and thought, well, what's the purpose of that anyway? What if it would build me up to the place where it would help me to bypass my mind and my natural feelings and I would just start getting stuff inside and I'd read the Bible and go, "Woo! I don't know why I'm excited about that, but I see something there that I didn't see before. Well, if we're to lay hold on eternal truths and grasp eternal truths, we get it with our spirit by the Holy Spirit. Well, if he's helping us to pray this way and I keep getting built up and he's the teacher and I'm yielding to him when I'm praying this way, wouldn't that be a help? Absolutely. It's something we all need to do on a regular basis. Why? Because of what we need to see. If we need direction from God, we need to do this. If we want light from God, we need to do this.